I first realized that Inspiration4 was different when I was on a call with SpaceX back in February. That in and of itself was pretty rare. The company does not love talking to journalists, so when they have something to say, most of the time we listen. Please keep your questions on topic of today's call. All I knew going into this was that Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX, was going to talk about human spaceflight. Well, I think this is, uh, we're very excited to uh, make this announcement with uh, Jared about uh, the uh, first um, sort of, uh, private crew mission on Dragon. Private, as in not NASA and not another government. Almost immediately after Elon Musk gave his initial remarks, he handed the mic over to a guy I had never heard of. So uh, thank you very much, Elon. Thanks to the SpaceX team. Thanks, everyone. His name is Jared Isaacman. And then came the part that really surprised me. No one on board Jared's mission, Inspiration4, would be a professional astronaut. Jared is a CEO, a billionaire. The three other crew members are regular people from around the country. And they'll all fly to space this year. Instead of filling it with three of his friends or coworkers, he was going to practically give away the three seats. My friend Rob Perlman was on this call too. He's a space historian and a reporter. That seemed very bold. And it just seemed like a complete, something we had not heard before. Preparing three people who have never been to space before, so you have no idea what their experience is going to be or whether they're going to freak out or if they're going to have idiosyncrasies. And it didn't help that Elon Musk's approach to it, at least in his public comments, were, yeah, we're going to let them do what they want to do. Jared was being treated like the customer. Whatever Jared would like to do, it's up to him. I realized pretty quickly after this call that this is the moment that the whole space industry has been working toward. And that Jared, as the commander of the mission, is going to be in control of three ordinary lives. And in the biggest sense, if Inspiration4 goes well, it's going to be written in the annals of space history as a huge moment along the road toward bringing as many people to space as possible. If it goes poorly, if the worst happens, however, it could bring the space industry to a standstill. I'm Miriam Kramer. I'm the space reporter at Axios. And since that first call in February, I've been following along week by week with Jared and this mission and how it's going. I'll take you inside the mission from crew selection to launch and behind closed doors at SpaceX. I watched the crew as they bonded and trained. And I keep thinking, can this crew do it? Can four ordinary people successfully and safely spend three days in orbit with only a few months of training? And how will it change our future in space? From Axios, this is how it happened. The Next Astronauts. Part one, a few ordinary people. Elon Musk and SpaceX do everything fast. They build things, test them, see if they explode, learn from it, and start again. And their system has worked. In less than two decades, the company proved its critics wrong to become the first to send NASA astronauts to the space station. And soon, the first to send regular people into orbit. 
And here's something else. Inspiration4 will be only the fourth time SpaceX has sent people into space in the company's history. Right after the crew was selected, one of the very first things they all did together was watch SpaceX's third crewed mission launch. It was a chance to get to know each other and to learn about what to expect. I'm going to take you through that day, too, so you can hear what makes a launch so compelling, whether you've never seen one before or if you've seen dozens, like I have. It never gets old. You're looking live at the Crew Dragon spacecraft and Falcon 9 rocket set to launch four astronauts to the International Space Station in just a few hours. It's early morning in late April. SpaceX is about to launch its third human mission to space. I'm watching at home in Nashville, but Chris Zimbrowski is at Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Christmas is coming. You're going to go see the rocket. I think I slept just a couple hours the night prior, if that. Just weeks before this, Chris, an engineer living in Everett, Washington, was with his wife and kids. He entered a raffle and got himself a ticket to space. Cyan Proctor was there with Chris, too. The first thing that I kept thinking before the launch was, okay, nothing go wrong. Cyan lives in Arizona, where she's a community college professor, and she won a competition to join this mission. Cyan had wanted to be a professional astronaut, but didn't end up making NASA's cut. Now she's in Florida, about to watch a launch that looks a whole lot like the rocket and capsule that will soon take her and Chris into orbit. They must be so excited, is what I kept thinking. They must be so excited. It's so early in the morning, it's still dark. Standing in the crowd by Chris and Cyan is the third crew member, Haley Arsenault. She's the youngest to join the crew. So this was my first launch. And quite a first one to get to witness. Haley works as a physician assistant in Memphis. She survived childhood cancer and was treated by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Now she works there. As part of a fundraiser, her employer asked if she'd like to go to space to represent the cause. The fourth crew member watching this launch is Jared Isaacman. He'll be the commander of Inspiration4. But like the rest of the crew, he has no experience as an astronaut. So you have people that, you know, would never have passed, like, NASA's, like, you know, screening process that, you know, now are, you know, afforded the opportunity to, to go into space. There were a few of us that had never seen a launch in person before. And so that was exciting as the buildup of anticipation came. I thought I was going to have anxiety before the launch, but um, it was actually really serene. I, however, was not feeling so serene. I always get nervous as I'm watching rocket launches. And if I had been standing where Chris, Cyan, Haley, and Jared were watching from, I'd have seen a rocket standing 21 stories high. At the tip is a tiny white capsule that's only about the size of a walk-in closet. And that's where the crew of professional astronauts waiting to launch to space is sitting. The crew is strapped in and ready to go. Final instructions of the crew will be coming at T-minus 10 minutes. just thinking, wow, I'm going to be strapped in there. Outside, steam is billowing off the rocket as it prepares for launch. We were sitting there waiting for the countdown to get down to zero. On the ground in Florida, the Inspiration4 crew is giddy. As they were going through some of the countdowns, uh, you know, we had somebody come over and, and say, you and Sai haven't stopped smiling for the last 10 minutes. Every check they um, check off is one step closer to blasting off. 
And then at around 10 to 6 in the morning, the moment six, they'd all been waiting five, for. Four, three, two. The countdown hits zero. The nine engines at the base of the Falcon 9 light up. One, zero. Mission. And liftoff. Godspeed, Endeavor, and crew two. Copy, one alpha. Endeavor launches once again. You just see this bright flash of light. The rocket starts going up and the sky lights up and there's so many colors. And it's rising up away from the tower for the first 20 seconds. Because light travels more quickly than sound. It, it feels like an eternity before you actually hear that boom. And then the sound came in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just start to feel the shaking, the vibrating. Nine Berlin engines on the first stage providing 1.7 million pounds of thrust. I'm thinking about those astronauts that are on they're in the Dragon on top of this Falcon 9 and how much you want this to be so successful. And like, oh, there you go, take them into space. You do it, you, you crazy Falcon 9 rocket. You just feel like you're on the same team, like go have a great mission. And I just sort of say like, go, 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 get, get going. <laughs> Falcon 9 will be throttling down the nine Merlin engines shortly here in preparation. And the part that always has me the most stressed out is not when the rocket first ignites, but when it nears a point called maximum aerodynamic pressure. Maximum dynamic pressure, max Q, is the largest structural load that the vehicle sees throughout ascent. So throttling down does help us pass. Supersonic. Throttling down helps us pass through this period, which should be coming here shortly. And I think that all of us kind of worry, okay, like if something bad is gonna happen, that's probably around the time that it will. Max Q. That's our call out that we have just passed through Max Q. Now exceeding 8,000 miles an hour at an altitude of about 124 miles. And then nine and a half minutes after launch, they're in orbit. Right, the Falcon 9 second stage has done its job delivering our four crew into orbit. Knowing that they're off and they're headed to space, that anxiety melts away. I didn't know that I jumped up and down until I saw the replay. <laughs> you get excited. You're like a kid. You're like, yeah, let's go. Watching it, everything looked just so seamless. Now, with this crew of professional astronauts in orbit, Inspiration4 is on deck. I was very aware that we're the next launch. This is the last humans going into space before it's our turn. Thinking that you know, how grateful and lucky I am to be next, but then also thinking, oh my God, I'm next. I kind of had this feeling like Inspiration4 is here and we're different and it's all gonna be different from here forward. When Inspiration4 takes off from the same spot in Florida in mid-September, the crew will spend three days in orbit, looking back at Earth, doing some science experiments, and in the largest sense, their mission is its own kind of experiment one that will show whether or not it's time for more civilians like them to head into space. The way these relatively ordinary people were selected to go to space was a wild experiment in its own right. That's in a minute. We're back. Chris, Cyan, and Haley were plucked from their everyday lives for this mission. 
One seat was chosen through this online competition. Another because her employer picked her. And the third got there from a good old-fashioned raffle. But to understand how this mission is even possible, you have to talk to Jared Isaacman. If I wanted to charter a flight to space, which I don't have the ability to do that, but if I did, how would I go about doing that? People refer to it as like chartering, a, a, you know, a, like it was like you're chartering a boat or an airplane. It's like not. It's a much more involved process than that. You have to know someone at the company. You have to effectively be offered the chance to do it. And then you have to have the money to make it happen, which is millions of dollars. It's not cheap, it's not easy, and it's a huge commitment. This is effectively what Jared Isaacman is going to do with SpaceX. This all started for Jared back in October. And I was on a call with SpaceX. This wasn't a call about going to space. Jared wanted to invest in SpaceX, and he recently became a billionaire after his company, called Shift4 Payments, went public. But in this case, his timing was bad. I just missed the window on a funding round that closed, and I was talking to people there. And I was trying to just do anything I could for them to <laughs> let me invest in because I'm like a big believer in SpaceX. At one point on this call, Jared mentions that he might like to be a client one day, as in a customer on a space flight. And SpaceX puts him in touch with someone in that department. And this whole idea for a civilian mission comes together incredibly fast. And it was like two weeks later, Inspiration4 was born. It was that fast from just a casual comment that I would make to try and establish credibility, maybe. Like, give me a shot here. It's pretty wild that just a couple of weeks after this guy got in touch with SpaceX on something that was completely unrelated, he has booked a trip to space. There's no real precedent for this in space history. Can you give us a sense for how much this mission has cost you? Nope. <laughs> what Jared did tell us is that the total cost of the mission is less than $200 million. He's paying for everyone's seat, and SpaceX set the price. I mean, to be frank, like there, there was no negotiation. Um, and this was a very much a, if you want to do this, like, this is, this is what it'll be to do it. Jared knew there would be a lot of attention on the civilian flight to orbit, so he and his team devised a crew selection process like no other. One seat was chosen through this online competition. I'd like to go to space. I'm a space explorer. Like many people, I've always wanted to be an astronaut. I want to go to space. I've wanted to go to space since kindergarten. Contestants vying for this seat sent in videos pitching their entrepreneurial ideas. The people who sent in videos were bombastic and funny and really tried to show off their personalities through these tiny clips that they posted on Twitter. I want to bring the mystery and wonder of space to the everyday person while simultaneously supporting an amazing cause. They were trying to attract the judges of the competition, which included Mark Benioff of Salesforce and the editor-in-chief of Fast Company. But one video stood out. My entrepreneurial spirit lies in the fact that I combine space art with poetry. Science video. I'm Dr. Cyan Proctor. I'm a geoscientist, explorer, and analog astronaut, and I have dreamed about going to space my entire life. I actually came that close when I was a finalist for the NASA astronaut selection process in 2009. Cyan Proctor has been adjacent to the space world for many years. 
She's a community college professor and a science communicator. When I think about going to space, I'm going to space as a geoscientist. I'm going to space as an educator in space. I'm going to space as a, an artist and a poet, uh, but I'm also going to space as a Black female and as a pilot. And I wouldn't have been able to have that 10 years ago. My first impression of Cyan's video was very much that it was a little bit more understated than the others. She was very simply sort of speaking to the camera, talking about her accomplishments and how much she loves space. And she recited a poem. Consider sending a poet who knows how to rhyme. And one of the things that she emphasized in this video was the idea of a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space. Jedi space, which is what Cyan calls it. We have J for justice to ignite the bold. We have E for equity to cut past the old. Her submission explained exactly why she wanted to go to space and why she thought she deserved it. And she won. It felt a lot like uh, when Harry Potter found out he was a wizard. You're just kind of like, uh, did you, did you just say I won? <laughs> so some shock <laughs> and awe that was there with just amazement to be the one. Twinkle. Meanwhile, while that competition was happening, there was another seat being chosen, and it was being picked through effectively a pure sweepstakes. Jared even made a Super Bowl ad to attract maximum attention. And you could be on board. Jared partnered with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital since the beginning of this mission. For this seat, anyone could donate at least $10 to the organization and had a chance to win a seat on board Inspiration4. The largest fundraising effort in St. Jude's history and the first all-civilian spaceflight. More than 70,000 people entered. My husband entered, and I immediately thought that the whole thing was incredibly risky. There is so much randomness to this choice. Usually, space crews are put together over the course of years, and they're tested for compatibility, and NASA astronauts are chosen specifically because of how they work together. But in this case, Jared was effectively introducing just a huge degree of risk to this mission right off the bat. The person who comes out of all of this, who gets the golden ticket, is Chris Simbrowski. He's an engineer who works for Lockheed Martin, and he's very much a family man. My first impression of Chris was that he was sort of a true space nerd. And I also, I immediately related to him for another reason, because we're both parents. And I found that the way that he spoke about his family was very familiar to me. I get on a Zoom call and start talking to the mission director. And uh, then I see my friend on there who I hadn't seen in a long time. Chris tells me that while he had donated as part of the raffle, he actually wasn't chosen. A friend of his from college was picked for the sweepstakes. I said, wow, it's good to see you. I didn't expect to see you here. But that friend who was chosen to stay anonymous couldn't go for one reason or another and gifted Chris their seat. Wow. And that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I said, wow, just a few times. Um, wow. Thank you. This is amazing. All right. I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's, that was how it felt. That's what it was going on. I, I think eventually I started realizing what this meant, what this was. 
Then there's Haley Arsenault, the physician assistant. There's so many like specific things I remember that about that day because I just that day changed my life. She was chosen by St. Jude, her employer, to represent them in space as part of the fundraiser. St. Jude said they had something to talk to me about. They said they wanted to talk to me about a unique opportunity. I just remember visualizing it, like on the phone with them, seeing myself in a spacesuit, seeing myself in space floating, and just thinking that did kind of scare me. And then they asked if I wanted to be part of it. And immediately I said yes. You know, then I was like, well, let me check with my mom. I remember looking down and my hands were shaking. And I called my mom and I said, you're not going to believe it, but it's true. I just got invited to go to space. I just said, what? Like, I, it was hard to comprehend. Colleen Arsenault, Haley's mom. And she said, they said, you know, to think about it, I could, no pressure. I could think about it for a couple of weeks, talk to the family, keep it secret, but you know, find out what your family has to say and all. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know what I think. I was like, call your brother. You know, of course, I called my brother and sister-in-law, too. They're both airspace engineers, and they made me feel better about the safety of space travel. And then she called me back, and she said, I'm, I'm contacting St. Jude and telling them I don't need a couple weeks to decide that I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And so... I gave St. Jude the big yes. A few days later, I was on a Zoom call meeting Jared. And then the next week, we were flying out to SpaceX and getting fitted for a spacesuit. When she flies to space, she'll become the youngest American to actually go to orbit. And I was just so overwhelmed with feeling honored that they chose me for this. I just felt like I couldn't believe that they picked me. The Inspiration4 crew only had about five more months to prepare. And as these months progressed, they would start to face some of the hardest parts of their training. Next time. When that no comes in and you've come this close to this obscure childhood dream that you thought had slipped through your fingers, you kind of have a little bit of a breakdown. <laughs> Who gets to go to space? How It Happened, The Next Astronauts is reported and produced by Amy Padula, Naomi Shaven, Alice Wilder, and me. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Mixing, sound design, and music supervision by Alex Sugiura. Original music by Michael Hampf. Fact-checking and research by Jacob Knutson. Allison Snyder is a managing editor and my editor at Axios. And Sarah Kahalani-Gu is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founders Mike Allen, Jim Vandehei, and Roy Schwartz. I'm Miriam Kramer. Thanks for listening. Music